Well, it's good to be here on this uh, after Super Saturday, if you watch the Olympics. Uh, I have a great interest in it. I did athletics when I was a youngster, as a Middlesex champion, 800 metres. I've trained six days a week and done three times a day. So when I watch the Olympics, my wife, who has very little interest in sport, wonders what's wrong with me because I'm getting all excited. But it was great to see Jessica NSN, Mo Farah, and Greg Rutherford, who I think he comes from Milton Keynes, and Victoria Pendleton, who lives, I think, in Stockfold. Fantastic, and I think the Olympics is just good for this nation. It, it's certainly building community. People are getting together and cheering. I mean, I've watched the Olympics over the years, and I've never seen on the first morning of the, Olymp of the track session on the Saturday morning, this is like, you know, 10 o'clock, 80,000 people there just for the heats. Amazing. Um, and I didn't manage to get a ticket, but man, I, I loved the Olympics. It was great. And I, don't, and I hope those of you who love athletics enjoyed last night, and there's more to come. Now, let's get down to our message, yes? Um, we're in the Hero, Hero series, and I, I didn't hear Chris's message last week, but I listened to Richard's the week before, and I'll miss him. Great message. If you didn't hear that, you need to listen to that. Some really good stuff in there. Well, this morning... We're going to consider uh, another character in the hero series from the New Testament. Now, he's an interesting character because he was a tax collector. And more importantly, he, he was a Jew. And what he would do, and if you know anything about tax collectors in those days, they tended to take more money than they needed. And in fact, what this particular chap did was he took a little bit extra on the side and from that he built his wealth. You want to know his name? Zacchaeus. Now some of you who have been in church a long time, going up many, many years, will remember that little chorus about Zacchaeus. Some of you are nodding, you know. Zacchaeus was a very little man and a very little man was he. He I'll sing it now. Zacchaeus was a very little man, and a very little man was he. He rose up into a sycamore tree for the Savior he wanted to see. And when the Savior passed that way, he looked into the tree and said, Zacchaeus, you come down, because I'm coming to your house for tea. For I'm coming. <laughs> yeah. And you remember, they used to sing it again. Because I'm coming for your house for tea. Now, to this day, as I was growing up, I had this picture of Jesus coming to Zacchaeus' house, and there was a pot on the table, and Zacchaeus poured a cup of Earl Grey tea, and they drank tea together with, some, with cake, of course, Victoria sandwich. That's what I had in my mind. So, when I was thinking about what I should bring this morning, this morning, Zacchaeus came to mind. So, Zacchaeus was this character who was wealthy, but he did it by extorting extra money from his own people. So we're going to look at Zacchaeus, the grabber who became the giver. You like that, yeah? The grabber who became a giver. So let's look at this now. Luke chapter 19, 1 to 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. And he wanted to see who Jesus was. But being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed the sycamore fig tree to see him, 
since Jesus was coming that way. This is not unlike those of you who wanted to see the torch ceremony. You climbed things and you woke up early and you left your house so you could see this flame passing by. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. I was disappointed because I expected, he said, I'm coming to your house for tea. (laughs) But I realized it wasn't in the text. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. Jesus said to them, said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save that that was lost. So there's the story. So let's see what we can unpack from it. Well, as you know, Zacchaeus was a, a wealthy man. But he had, this is the funny thing, although he was wealthy, because of the way that he gathered his wealth by basically squeezing his people, he had no stature or status within the community, even though he was wealthy. Now, here's the question for you. What drove this wealthy chief tax collector to want to see Jesus. And as I was looking at the text, I'm thinking, ah, you know, the issue wasn't that he wanted to see Jesus. Here's the issue. He wanted to be seen by Jesus. He wanted to be seen by Jesus. (laughs) Because his wealth did not give him the status that he was looking for. And of course, he was short. We know that. So even though he had money, he wanted not only to see Jesus, he wanted to be seen by Jesus. Now, little application, because I like to do the application early in the sermon. I like to always wait till the end. You know, sometimes, life in life, We substitute achievement in many forms. You know, we want to see Jesus, but we want to be seen by Jesus. We have a lack of attention. So what we do, in fact, it's a lack of being, that's it, but that's another sermon for another day. What we do is we try to substitute it with either academic success. You know, I I had a little incident a couple of weeks I'm an external verifier for NVQ programs, and I, as some of you know, I taught for some 14 odd years. And I, because I was in FE a long time, I didn't need to get a teaching qualification, but I started it but didn't finish it. Anyway, I looked after a particular qualification, and then they said to me, You can't do it anymore. And I was like, oh, But I love teaching, I love pedagogy, I love andragogy. If you don't know what those are, they just means teaching, <laughs> right? 
And I was like disappointed. And my natural reaction would be, right, I'm going to go out there and get the qualification. I'm going to show them. And then the Lord said, whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you need to prove? You know, you can do it. You know, I did it for 14 years, had 95% success rate, taught many students, hundreds of them over 14 years. So what do I have to prove? And sometimes what happens is we respond to, put a, to where we've been disappointed by actually becoming more active. So we go and get the MBA. Now, if it's good to get these things, I'm not saying that they're wrong, but you need to find out why you're getting it so that you can be affirmed. You have MBA. Well, an MBA is good. And so is a PhD. And I have nothing against those things, and I would aspire to do them myself. Or, you know, athletics. And of course, we've seen the, um, the Olympics, and we've seen the athletes, how they've worked hard, and how they've achieved. By the way, nothing with that, against that, because in the text, if you see the text, this is the parenthesis before the parable of the talents. And it's important if God has given you a talent to use that talent and to, to enhance that talent and to use it. And those t- athletes are like Jessica Ennis and, and Greg Rutherford and Mo Farah and, and the one others I mentioned have done that. Nothing wrong with it. But it's not a substitute for a sense of being. And of course in business you might become successful, driven. You know, I'm going to succeed, I'm going to build an empire, all of that type of stuff. And it's all, why are you driven? Why can't you let the thing go? Why are you a a workaholic? Deep, 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 deep down, you'll find that that person is looking for a sense of affirmation and they think they can get it by collecting things. But deep, deep down, it never satisfies. So, what did Zacchaeus do? So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree, fig tree, to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. Now, think about this. Wealthy people don't normally climb trees, do they? Wealthy people get access to the Olympic Games. They do not have to go through the ticketing process. You can see this special place for them. They have a car that brings them. They have people who are chaperones to bring them to their seat. They sit in the place. Their view is unrestricted. They are wealthy people. You don't see Prince Charles trying to climb over a seat. It's not dignified, is it? Yeah? Because he has status. And of course he has income. And he is the prince. Therefore, he doesn't do anything that looks undignified. You know, someone told me that they were sitting next to Prince Charles and he, he was watching a film. And in the film, uh, the couple were having relationships. And the person that was with him, I have to put it that, that, that way, right? And the person with him said to, said to the prince, you know, look away. So the prince looked away, and then the person tapped him when they'd finished. You know? So he cannot even, his eyes cannot even be holding anything that is not good. <laughs> Least of all, him doing something undignified. It's true. So then, Here's the point, Zacchaeus, even though he was wealthy, even though he had money, he wasn't embarrassed to climb up into a tree. I'm gonna say like a monkey, but that doesn't sound good. (laughs) Climb up into the tree, and because he was more concerned about being seen by Jesus and seeing Jesus. Zacchaeus exercised faith by positioning himself in the right place. 
My friends, some of you, some of us have been coming to this church for many, many years. We enjoy being here. We come and enjoy the sermons, the entertainment. We find it engaging. We find it comforting. And when we've had our full of the teaching and the preaching and the worship, we go home. But you know what? Today, I just believe that God wants to speak to some people here who have never come over here for ministry. You've come in, but you've never positioned yourself to allow God to minister to you in reality. You're quite happy to come to the service. You feel quite safe to stay in the worship. You feel quite safe to sing the songs. You feel quite safe to do the pre- listen to the preaching. But when the time comes for ministry, you're out there and you're getting your coffee and your donut. Oh, someone is with me. <laughs> but today, God would challenge you to reposition yourself. And when we have ministry time, you come. You come. Because salvation has come to your house. You need to reposition yourself. Forget about what other people think. Actually, here's something to tell you. Other people don't think about you. (laughs) Because they're too busy thinking about themselves. That's the truth. You're there thinking, oh, should I go forward? Oh, what will people think? And you, you don't realize that they're not thinking about you. But Jesus is thinking about you. And Jesus has something for you. And Zacchaeus knew that he needed to get himself in that place so that he could be seen by Jesus and he could see Jesus. And in ministry time, there's an opportunity for you to connect with God in a way that you might not do during the sermon or during the worship. In worship, you do connect with God. You may worship this morning, and for me, it was sweet. (laughs) Yeah, I was bawling again, but it was good. So today, there's a challenge for you. Maybe if you've never come forward for ministry before, you've been coming to church for years, and this is your day. This is your opportunity for the Father to come and minister life to you, for you to come and see Jesus, and more important, for Jesus to see you. Is that good? Okay. Denise Lewis, the uh, Sydney Olympic 2000 gold tackling gold medalist. I was listening to on on TV as she was, you know, commentating on a sports event, and she said this: "Athletes define themselves by the decisions they make." I thought, "Whoa." Athletes define themselves by the decisions they make. You know what, friends? We define ourselves by the decisions that we make. Sometimes we make a decision to go out there and get coffee when we know we should be in here and get ministry. And I just pray that today you will define yourself by the decision you make that when there's opportunity for ministry, maybe for the first time in your life, you have an encounter with God that is real and vital and life-changing. So, what happened next? Luke 19.5. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to them, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. 
So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. (laughs) So what's happening here? Jesus saw him and gave him his attention because he was positioned in the right place. Secondly, Jesus knew his name and affirmed him. Think about it. It says, he said Zacchaeus. Knowing the text that it says that Zacchaeus went up and said, hello Jesus, my name is Zacchaeus. By revelation, Jesus knew his name. He affirmed him and used his name. And here's the thing. Jesus chose to stay with him and associate and build a relationship with someone who was an outcast. Someone who was a traitor. Because what you need to understand is that the the Israelites were looking for a savior. They saw the Romans as oppressors. So if here's Zacchaeus working for the Romans, not only working for them was bad enough, but now you're taking money off us as well. You're a traitor, you're a robber, you're a thief. And here's Jesus, son of God, king of kings, lord of lords, and he decides that he's going to stay at Zacchaeus' house, which is sending some massive signals to the people around him. And if you read it in the text, it says, and the people began to murmur and grumble, how can this Jesus be, son of God, mighty man of God, going to stay with this guy who's a thief and a robber and who oppresses us, and he's one of us. But here's the beauty of this. Wherever you are in your journey, Jesus is not afraid to identify with you. Whether you're in pain or shame, whether you're feeling rejection or hurt, Jesus is prepared to associate, identify, and build relationship with you. This is what Isaiah said. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hid their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God. Smitten by him and afflicted. But he was what? Pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of one has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You see, Jesus was prepared to identify himself with Zacchaeus and he's prepared to identify himself with us because everything that you and I have experienced by way of pain, by way of abuse, by way of things that hurt us deeply, Jesus has been there. And that's why it says that we have a faithful high priest in heaven who can sympathize with our weaknesses because he's been like us. So friends, whatever you've experienced, 
Jesus has been there too. And he's happy to associate with you and identify with you even when others would reject you. So, Zacharias, Zacchaeus, experienced in that moment mercy triumphing over judgment. No condemnation. You know, mercy is a wonderful thing when you know where you're at and you know that you're wrong and you know that you should be judged and you know that you should be separated but someone offers you mercy instead of judgment. Jesus didn't judge Zacchaeus for all the things that he was doing. He was affirmed. Unconditional love. It wasn't based on Zacchaeus' ability to perform. God's love towards you is not based on your ability to keep the rules. All have sinned, it says, and fallen short of God's glory. We're all under his wrath. But by this we know that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He had attention. He knew who he was, understood him, and saw him as a son of Abraham. All of that in that one encounter, and there was more. So, there was mercy, there was affirmation, there was attention from Jesus. And you know, when you come, there's mercy to cover whatever you've come for. There's affirmation. He knows you as his son and as his daughter. There's attention. He understands you and values you. Well, what happened to Zacchaeus' heart because of this powerful encounter. That Zacchaeus stood up and said to, the, said to the Lord, look Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount, which is the law. So what happens here? The grabber becomes the giver because of that encounter with Jesus. Salvation or deliverance. James, are you still with me? The grabber has become the giver. Salvation has come to this house. Now, for those of you who, you know, you're not a follower of Jesus, the word salvation, what we mean is deliverance has come to this house. Jesus is looking and seeking to save all those who are looking and seeking for him. And the beautiful thing was this, that Zacchaeus positioned himself so that he he could be seen by Jesus and so that Jesus could see him. And you know, when you come to him, his plan 
is to cleanse you and wash you from your sin and to restore to you all, thanks James, all that God, all that the enemy has taken from you, his goal is to restore it to you. It says, for this purpose was Jesus Christ manifest, that he might destroy, he might undo the works of the evil one. When you come and you receive, what the Father is doing is he's restoring to you everything that was stolen from you because of the fall. What you need to understand, friends, is that salvation isn't just a one-time event where you, yes, of course, you look to the cross and he who became sin for us removes our sin and thus we become the righteousness of God. That's not just, the, that's the first act. But what he's doing is he's making all things new. He's restoring you emotionally, spiritually, relationally, so that you begin to function as God intended you to be. So as you come, so the process of redemption or the process of sanctification works. When you don't come, then it's hard for him to restore you to what you would, should be. Hello? We don't just do ministry because it's vineyard. We understand that it's part of the redemptive process. That it's not enough just to be saved in terms of your salvation. It's that Jesus wants to restore you so you operate the way that he intended you to be. So you're a V6 and you purr. Amen? As opposed to being something that splutters. And most of us are spluttering because we're not allowing God, we're not positioning ourselves so that God can begin to work in our lives and shine some light into those areas where there's darkness and bring life to those areas where there's death and bring love to those areas where we need to know his compassion, his mercy, and his grace. That's what's supposed to happen. That's the process of salvation. And it's not enough just to have good preaching and know your Bible. God wants to give it to your heart, not just your head. And when he gets into your heart, things start to change. That encounter that Zacchaeus had with Jesus was so powerful that he moved from someone that was trying to gather wealth to someone that was prepared to give it away. Just like that. And you can have an encounter with God that can be life-changing. But you need to come. You need to reposition yourself. So what what does God call us to do? Come to him. Some that you might receive him as your Lord and Savior. I, some of you, you don't know this Jesus. And if you'd like to become a follower of Jesus, you can't. Some to receive physical healing. Some to receive inner healing because he came to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to give a garland of praise for all those who have a spirit of heaviness, depression. Some, there's pain you've been carrying in your heart for so long that you've got used to it. And Jesus wants to set you free from it. I had an incident this week. I just walked into um, the YMCA lodge and one of the residents, I said, he just came up to me and hugged him and he just raised his head on my shoulder. I said, do you want to talk? He said, let's talk. We went down to what we call God's space. And this man was just pouring out his heart. There was pain in him. There was grief in him. 
that hadn't been released over the death of his mother, and God just came and, and just touched that man. And he wept, and it came out, and the Lord just came and visited him. And after, I don't know, an hour or so, he was changed. And from someone who was going to have another breakdown, there was joy in his heart. And he said to me, I don't know what you've done to me, but whatever it is good. I said, Jesus has done it to you. He's taken your grief. He's given you a garden of praise for a spirit of heaviness. Yeah. This is what it's all about. This is the divine exchange that God wants to take place this morning. Please, would you stand?